Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to catch our new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. For more of The Issue and access to our top bets and fantasy updates, then subscribe to The Issue Miked Up. Link is on our website, which can be found in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter, which is just at the issue podcast. New subscription episodes come out every Friday. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Issue. You are now locked in and listening to The Issue. You look at this schedule. Find me the wins here. Find me the wins. You've got to be delusional if you think he's elite. Well, from what I'm seeing right now, he's a top 10 guy in this league, no doubt. Absolutely, I think they can be for a championship. I, I don't even think that's a, a debate I'm willing to, to have. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Saturday, February 5th. Uh, Another episode of The Issue here today. A great episode loaded up with football with an interview from Matt Wood. That will be on in about 10, 11-ish minutes at this point uh, coming up here in the episode. So guys, um, we appreciate you stopping in. Absolutely. Luke and Tim, The Issue, like normal. Let's get going. Like we said, if you're here for the Matt Wood interview... It's going to be here in about, uh, what, you said 11, 12 minutes, something like that? Yeah. Um, obviously, we will have our classic hits and misses first. It's what we do pretty much every episode. Let you guys know where we were, you know, right, where we hit, where we were wrong, where we missed. Um, then, like I said, Matt Wood, we'll get into some coaching carousel. We'll grade the, uh, the head coaching hires, and we'll take a guess at who's going to get the remaining three spots. These are, these are top-end jobs in the world, people. These are millions and millions of dollars to coach football that, that that's an attractive job so we're going to predict the three probably best jobs in america right now um and then we'll get into a little bit of a super bowl you know discussion we're not going to predict yet but we'll talk about it a little bit we'll see where see where it takes us yeah uh the predictions for the super bowl will come later in the week uh on the next episode but yeah uh the coaching hires that will be that'll be a good segment i mean it, it's such an important position and, and such an important uh, spot on a team, especially when we're, you know, even doing our preseason predictions. Uh, coaching is something that gets factored in a lot. We will see where these teams kind of either hit, missed on their coaches, all that kind of stuff. Um, but without further ado, let's go hits and misses. All right, let's go first hit. Joe Burrow. Um, I said probably like week 12, I was like, ooh, keep an eye on him. He's really, really, really good. Yeah. I was worried him coming back from injury. Didn't throw the deep ball all that well last year, right? Was one of the worst deep ball passers in the league last year. I was a little worried coming to the year. But once I saw week 10, 11, 12-ish, I was like, oh, he could be really, really good. The Bengals could be a problem. Um, and then in probably about week 16, I said he'd probably be my MVP today. I think he's the most valuable player. He's doing more with less uh, than any other quarterback in the league. And what do you know? He's gotten his team to a Super Bowl, went to Arrowhead, and beat Patrick Mahomes. So, who doesn't lose an arrowhead unless you're Tom Brady and you can beat him in arrowhead. Um, and, and, and Burrow did it. He's a special talent. He's our first hit. All right, misses. Let's go. How about we went 0-2 in our predictions, though? Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> um, so I said San Fran and Kansas City. You agreed with me. I thought San Fran, having won the past six against the Rams, having being up 17-7 to going in the fourth quarter, 
and losing that, it hurts me inside. Um, San Francisco, what they needed to do was run the football, and it's what they've been able to do since Kyle Shanahan took over the job. And when they needed it most, they couldn't do it. Yeah. Plain and simple. You get out to a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, you weren't able to run the ball, you weren't able to put the Rams away. Although, you did. Yes, it's a miss on our predictions for the week. You had the 49ers going to the NFC Championship game before the playoffs even started. You said, I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the NFC Championship game at least. I did say that. I liked them. Uh, I think they can... The way they're able to run the football, Jimmy G can make enough throws, and he did make enough throws. Yeah. You also saw the ceiling of him a little bit there in uh, in the fourth quarter. So I was kind of right, but also in the short term, incorrect. We were wrong. Um, all right, another hit here. Let's go with some, some, some coaching, kind of, right? So we said, we, we said that Miami was probably the most attractive job, um, and it's the... It, it's still on the board, so that's not necessarily a hit. But then two of the worst jobs we said were the New Orleans Saints and the Houston Texans. Those are two of the three jobs left, and I think they'll probably be the last ones filled. Mm-hmm. And now Miami, who we ranked them at number one before all the scandal uh, comes out, you know, with with tanking and offering you know hundreds of thousand dollars to lose, right now that's automatically an unattractive job. I don't think it's a secret that the three jobs remaining are probably, out of all the vacancies, three of the worst jobs that, that I personally would take. Yeah. Miami, you have an owner asking you to lose. Houston, you have a losing culture. They just fired a guy who probably ex- exceeded expectations of David Culley. You have no quarterback plan for the foreseeable future unless Davis Mills is a plan. You're pretty devoid of talent, and you don't have a lot of draft capital. That's a tough job. And then you go to New Orleans, you are $70 million over the cap and no draft capital. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that those are the three jobs remaining. We were right with that. All right, how about another miss? I said that the, the Bengals should draft Panay Sewell, the tackle out of Oregon, instead of Jamar Chase, because it was kind of rumored that they were down to those two. And uh, I think it should have been down to those two. Um, but I, I elected, or I, I guessed, um, that they would take Panay uh, Sewell to protect their franchise quarterback. Yeah. They instead went with Jamar Chase, and they are right. That's why they get paid millions of dollars to be the general manager, the the head of scouting, or whoever you know, whoever's in that de- decision-making room. There's a reason that they're making six, seven, eight figures, right? There's there's a reason for that, yeah. and there's a reason that I am not, and I'm, I'm just kind of giving my opinions, right? I thought Sewell would have been a better move long-term, but I think Jamar Chase is an integral part of why the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. It makes complete sense to me now looking back. This is an offensive league. You have to be able to score points. And Panesul, as much as he might be a really good player in a Pro Bowl or someday, he's not putting points on the board. He's not electric like Jamar Chase. And I think we made a really good point about a month ago, a month to a month and a half ago, when you had the rant about, um, you know, Get your star quarterback, but after you get your star quarterback, make him comfortable. Go get him a weapon. Go get him a Jamar Chase that he played in college with. Stephon Diggs with Josh Allen. Exactly. Go find your star quarterback a weapon. Sometimes, at least this year, it's being proven that that can be more beneficial to your team, i.e. the Cincinnati Bengals. I've never seen that bad of a of an offensive line made it to the Super Bowl, but what do you know? All right. How about another hit? Um, Brady retiring. This is more of a personal hit for me. You said you think he that you thought he would come back for another year. I thought he had a little bit more left. I I, I said it'd be tough for him to have these rumors come out where he's retiring and then, and then he's not retiring and, and then then he is retiring again. Then he comes out and says he's not. It'd be hard for all those rumors to come out. The news to be saying this, the media and his family hearing this, his family doesn't live under a rock people. Okay. For them to be hearing this, 
and for him to probably be having internal discussions with them and then for him to turn around and say oh by the way i'm going back to play another year after you thought you thought you had me right you thought i was gonna stay home right (laughs) psych i'm going back to football i just thought that'd be a tough sell to his family and at the end of the day that's who he's gonna not i don't want to say side with but he's got to appease his family he has to make his family happy and he loves his family right so it makes complete sense to me i thought it'd be a tough sell to his household and it's something weird to think about but you have to think about it in this situation yeah. to have all these rumors come out and then be like oh psych i'm going back to play football yeah internal affairs matter in that in that situation as well um i mean i know he he referenced it a little bit in that post he said look i've given 22 years of myself to the nfl and to football it's time that i you know give my family that same Effort, level right. of commitment that, right. that 22 years towards them uh so brady retires we'll talk about that more a little bit later coming up um, and then another miss. Let's go with Miami. I thought this was kind of a longer-term miss. Um, probably about after Brian Flores' first or second year, right, where you could see the culture building. I said, oh, Miami, I think, is going to be pretty good here in about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're not. Uh, they, they missed the playoffs for the second straight year um, with a winning record, by the way, uh, 10 wins. 10, 10 wins one year, nine the second, yeah. Um, and now this comes out with the, with the owner talking about uh you know get 100 like i think it's a hundred thousand dollars for brian flores to lose football games right. right you fire a guy who's won 10 games two straight seasons um you're offering him money to lose i you don't really have a franchise quarterback i understand tua is competent and can win you games i'm going to talk a little bit you know why i don't think he is in my book a quote franchise quarterback because i'm going to show you what is um it it's discouraging to see Miami with so much hope, right? So much hope. They're on the yeah. rise. Good, bright, young head coach. You got a quarterback who isn't great, but he's able to win you games. And in the meantime, you can build a roster around him and then maybe pick up a Deshaun Watson. There's a bunch of good quarterbacks who are rumored to be maybe hitting the market. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Jimmy G, right? Yeah. I thought they were in such a good spot. And now you have no coach. Two is going to be on his second head coach and what his third or fourth offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. You have a, an owner who is it's questioned if he's even in or not. So you're probably not going to get a top candidate. So you're probably going to get a, a B a B minus C plus candidate. You don't have a the guy like a Joe Burrow to overcome it. You don't have a Justin Herbert. What direction is the franchise going right now? It's really tough. Down. It's a downward trend. Yeah. If we did the uh, the up down sideways game, which I think we should bring back. You know, pretty soon, especially in the off season, once we start seeing some of these coaching hires, it's a good right. good way to kind of look at it and, and put it into a picture. I don't know if I, if I was a coaching candidate, I would not touch Miami with a ten foot pole. But it looks uh, looks like Matt Woods ready to get on here, so we're gonna give him a call and get him on the podcast. Cannot wait to talk to Matt Wood. Now with us on the phone, we got Matt Wood, catcher at Penn State. Uh, the number one ranked catcher in the Big Ten uh, for the preseason rankings coming out now. Number 16 in the country. Absolutely great to have him on. We know him pretty well. Matt, how you doing? Good, guys. How are you? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's, it's an honor. Um, you are probably one of the better players. Uh, you, Josh, Troy, you know, the, the trio that came through Pine Richland. Um, just <laughs> absolute studs, but it's it's good talking to you. So so going into the season, what are the expectations like up at State College there for the boys Um you feel feeling good? Do you think you guys are a contender for the Big Ten? Yeah, absolutely. Um, really like the fall that we had, and then especially coming back into uh, 
this uh, winter spring right before we start the season. I just I really like how we look. Um, like from a team camaraderie standpoint, um, it's the best that it's been since I've been at Penn State. And um, we got some studs on the team. I'm excited to kick it off. Um, I think we can make a – right, I know we uh, have the ability to make a good run. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we saw you make a lot of progress last year and uh, do a lot of great things. What has been, you know, some of the main focal points for you uh, this offseason, getting ready for this year and, and, you know, getting ready to take on that role? Yeah, I've just looked to uh, get stronger, uh, just grow my baseball IQ. Um, nothing really mechanically that I've changed. Um, I've been, you know, doing the same stuff since I was a little kid. I just try to play as natural as I can. So um, controlling what I can control and um, watching as much game as possible, just becoming a smarter player. And uh, obviously just, you know, hitting the weight room heavy in the offseason has been big for me. Well, I will say, Matt, you are one of the better baseball IQ guys that I've, that I've played with. You're not even fast, and uh, I think you stole – uh, a good amount of bases in high school, which makes no sense, uh, but it, it shows your baseball IQ. They got you stealing any bags up there? Um, you know, I didn't. I didn't a lot last year. Um, I know I'm I'm a better base runner than like uh, my speed says. I didn't get to run a lot in high school because of that rule, right? Um, right. Where they can they can pinch run. So uh, running the bags my freshman and sophomore year would still seem kind of new to me, but uh, that's actually uh, a main point that I try to focus on this year. It's just another element of my game that I think that, you know, I could take advantage of and uh, not necessarily my speed. I wasn't really gifted with speed. It's something that I work on, but, you know, you could be a really good base runner without having that, just uh, understanding pitches, um, knowing the pitchers, timing, stuff like that. So, Matt, what are some uh, what are some possible struggles you guys see going into this year, some things that as a team – you know, you, you might realize, hey, we got we got to work on it, and it's going to be a work in progress as the season goes on, um, and it's just something you guys ought to pay attention to. Yeah, I think that yeah, in past years we've we've lost a lot of close games, um, and that happens to uh, every team. But you know, finding a way to win those close games is something that this year we can make big strides at closing out games. Um, it's it's what makes good teams great, great teams elite. So I think, you know, when we get that lead, if we jump out or if we, we make a comeback, you know, being able to get a shutdown inning the next couple, um, I think that's going to be huge for us. You guys got any uh, freshmen up there that are going to really contribute this year? Absolutely. We got we got a great class, um, both offensively and, and uh, pitching. Um, from the pitching side, you know, guys like Chase Renner, Tommy Molsky, um, just absolutely electric arms, you know, young guys that, that still have room to improve. But when you, when you look at them, you could just tell like, you know, these guys have a really bright future and they're going to contribute for us. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, um, we got, you know, young guys like Jake Cooper, Noah Burke, Connor Thronberry, Anthony Steele, just guys that are, are so polished and just need some consistent reps at this level. And, uh, they're going to be uh, big-time players for us for for years to come. Absolutely. A lot of talent up there at Penn State, um, for sure. Who is the uh, who, who's the top dog that you guys are looking out for, other than yourselves, obviously, uh, out of the Big mm-hmm. Ten? Who, who's the team to watch? Who's the team to beat this year that you guys are really uh, you know looking forward to, to getting out on the field against? Yeah, so, you know, the top dogs of the, the conference last year were uh, Nebraska. Um, you know, Iowa's always good. Michigan's always good, uh, but we don't play them this year, and we don't play Indiana either in the Big Ten regular season. 
um, those are guys that we were looking forward to playing again, but just with the schedule, the way it worked out, we weren't uh, able to do so. But uh, a big series I'm looking forward to is uh, against Maryland at their place. Um, they have just a monster lineup, some good arms. Um, and then Rutgers is always a, a good series, good competitive series. Um, they're pretty early on. Um, we got uh, we got those circled for sure. Um, and it's just fun playing against them. They're just two uh, really competitive teams, and I think that they match our style, um, kind of just the northern, uh, you know, gritty style of baseball that we like playing in the Big Ten. So right. those two for sure, but, but all Big Ten series are really fun. Right. So you, you said you were working on the baseball IQ. Do they – how much say do you have in calling the game from behind the plate? How much say do you have in in controlling the pitches and settling the pitcher down? And, and so what's what's the cerebral side of the game from a catcher standpoint um, up at Penn State for you? Yeah, so our, our pitching coach, Josh Newman, just, you know, MLB vet, um, you know, played at Ohio State. I think he's their career innings leader there. Just an absolute brilliant pitching mind. Uh, to be able to work with him has been unreal in my experience here. And he gives me a lot of freedom. Um, whenever we're calling pitches, you know, he gives suggestions, we communicate back and forth. Um, so I'd say, you know, you know, 50, 50, I usually agree with him cause he knows how to call a game. So there's not much that I need to change normally, but, um, you know, it's the, it's the other things that you have to look out for, you know, um, the base runners reading swings, different stuff like that. It's, it's a cool challenge that, it, uh, catchers unique for, you know, being a field general is really important. Um, it's something that, I just I love you know the position and uh, but calling pitches is is definitely something fun and something that this year I think I'm gonna have a bigger role in um, and I'm looking forward to that because we got some great arms. That's impressive. Uh, do you do you follow MLB at all? What do you think about this lockout? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I just hope that they can you know find an agreement here pretty soon. I think that all the fans really want. Um, you know, to see baseball played on time. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it, a lot that we don't know. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell. But, you know, I hope that, you know, soon enough they can find a, uh, you know, agreement that works uh, for both of them and they can get the season kicked off on time because I'm looking forward to watching some, some MLB baseball. It's been long enough. It really has, Matt. It's, it's been great picking your brain. One more question here, non-baseball related. Who do you like for the Super Bowl? You like Joe, Joe Burrow and the Bengals or – are we rocking with uh, Matt Stafford and the Rams? Both great stories, but who do you like? Ooh, you know what? My my family's from Michigan, and my grandma's a huge Lions fan, and she's always been a big Stafford fan. So, you know what? I think I might have to lean towards them. But here's the thing: that man, Joe Burrow, he's different. That man's different, and he I know is. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm a Steelers diehard fan till I die. But watching him, him and Jamar. Tomorrow's on my fantasy team this year, so <laughs> I, me and him kind of have a, a heart to heart. There it is, absolutely. You know you... what? I don't I don't really care who wins. I just really want it to be a good game. I think I'm gonna pull a little bit for the Rams, though. Right, make Grandma happy. Stafford wins. Yeah. It, it, it makes total sense. Matt, it's I think been he deserves a, it. it. It's been absolutely awesome. I appreciate you coming on, and you are more than welcome anytime you have uh, any little bit of free time. It's been great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Tim from The Issue here. I want to talk to you a little bit about Phoenix Supplements, spelled F-N-X, pronounced Phoenix. Just ordered some. I got some coming in the mail. Go get your creatines. Go get your glutamines. Anything that you need to achieve your fitness goal is available on phoenix.com. Use the code TJ2022. They make great gifts as well. Go out, 
check it out. Order all Phoenix stuff, phoenix.com, and use the code TJ2022. Alright, we are back. Second segment, The Issue, on a gorgeous, gorgeous Saturday. I'm looking outside here. It's sunny. Snow on the ground. It's been kind of flurrying. Well, yesterday it didn't flurry. It blizzard did. Blizzard did? That's not a word, but we'll call it a word. It Um, it snowed a lot for uh, for a good portion of the day yesterday. It's really not snowing that much anymore. A couple flurries here and there. It's actually beautiful. You know, sun hitting the snow. Gorgeous day, um, but freezing cold. how about that Matt Wood interview? My God, isn't he good? Isn't so he so good? good? So We're good. so well-spoken, and that doesn't shock me. Matt, Matt's been a good friend of mine, and uh, you know we both graduated with him anyway. So. Always been a great student, too. Very smart kid. Smart kid. Just knows exactly what to say. I'll tell you that right now. Um, he was talking a little bit about baseball IQ. Doesn't surprise me at all that he focuses in on that. No. He's already so good at it, and it's like he's, he's almost doubling down on his strengths, right? He said he wants to get stronger. You know, because he hits bombs. Yeah. I mean, one of the best gap-to-gap hitters I'd ever, I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And he wants to increase his baseball IQ. So it's like... And to play the catcher position, I mean, you got to be a warrior. You have to. Yeah. You have to be. And you also have to be so smart. People think, oh, catcher, big macho, you know, just a meathead, you know, behind the dish, right? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, you, you caught for a while, but he was talking about how he's going to have, you know, a little bit of an increased role when it comes to calling pitches and, and controlling the game, really. Because once you get into high levels of baseball, yeah, the pitching coach is really helpful when it comes to mechanics and, and some ins and outs of the game. But when it when it comes push, push comes to shove, right? Yeah. It's that battery. It's that pitcher. It's that catcher. It's that connection. Absolutely. It's the trust that if that pitcher spikes a curveball, is that catcher going to get down and block it, right? Does that catcher, can he, is he able to read the swing of the guy for the first three at-bats? That way when it's seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, and you got to have it, does he know what that guy is struggling with today? Do you know what pitch can get that guy out on that day, right? Right. Um, and it, it is a lot of mental, there's a lot of mental aspect to the game, right? And he was talking also about how that affects like his speed and his base running, right? Mm-hmm. I said he's one of the best base runners I've ever seen without actually being fast, if that makes sense, right? He's not a fast guy. He said it when we interviewed him. Not a fast guy. Yeah. He's just an average speed guy, I would say. But his baseball IQ helps him swipe bags, right? You brought up a good point. You look at a guy like, uh, what, Gregory Polanco, you said, right? Yeah, in Pittsburgh. I mean, super fast. Um, you, you would expect him to be Long a great... Strides, yeah, right? You would expect him to be a great base stealer and... But he's not. He gets in a lot of trouble in the base paths. He gets caught in a lot of rundowns. He makes a lot of mental errors. Um, and he's super quick. So you you would expect him to be one of the best base runners in the league. He's not. You look at a guy like, like Matt Wood, he's not exactly the fastest guy. But, you know, the baseball IQ makes up for that. And I think plays way bigger of a role, especially in situations like that where it's more of a chess match. Where you're, you know keen on that pitcher to either pick off or go to the plate right. and the, just knowing situationally, uh, you know, how that other catcher is, you know, what's his arm like, um, how quick is his pop? How quick can he get that ball to second base? And, you know, just the, the entire situation, being able to understand that break it down helps out a lot. You see that with Matt Wood. Right. Um, I, it, it, it's special. He's a special player. Number one preseason catcher going into uh, this coming season here. In the Big Ten, yeah. number 16 in the nation. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, guys, if you, if you don't pay attention to baseball, he's someone that you tune in for. I mean, yeah. he's, he's one of those guys. Uh, I mean, they played it at the Minnesota Vikings. I think that was their football field uh, last season 
against Minnesota. And, I, I mean, he hit one to, like, the second deck. I mean, absolutely murdered it. Yeah. Uh, he's a hell of a ball player. Seriously, go check him out. He's someone that you tune into. If you're any, if you're up near State College, go to a game. Seriously. But let's get into our coaching carousel here. Absolutely. I've uh, been waiting all year for this. A lot yeah. of jobs shake up, and uh, there's been some hires. There have been some hires. So first of all, for those who haven't listened to the show or didn't listen last offseason, we usually do a coaching carousel where we would guess what head coaches are going where. I think we maybe hit like one of seven last year. I mean, it's a tough – it's so hard yeah. to guess. I mean, you look at – you could you could think you got Philadelphia last year figured out, and they go hire Nick Sirianni. I've never heard of him, right? Or Joe Judge with the Giants. It's like I've never heard of these guys. But it's what happens. It's the league. But this year, it's a little bit of a change because everybody's hiring so early. Mm-hmm. There's already six coaching vacancies that have already been filled, and there's three remaining. So what we're gonna do this year is we are gonna grade the ones that have already been. You know, hired right. You're looking at McDaniel's and O'Connell, ready to go and so forth. We're gonna grade those hires, and then we're gonna guess for the three remaining. And then once those three remaining get filled, we'll grade those as well. So let's start with let's start with the grading the the ones that have already been hired. Let's go with the Broncos. They hire Nathaniel Hackett. He was the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers for I want to say the last like four years. Pretty clever offensive mind. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers MVP and probably. I mean, at the end of the day, he most likely will win the MVP this year, although I would ju- I would vote Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. I think I think a B. I think that's a B higher. I don't think he was the most clever offensive mind on the market. I think that's a Kevin O'Connell. We'll get to him. I thought he was the most clever offensive mind. I'm not sure he has the presence in the room, right? Even Brian Flores, I wasn't all that familiar with him, but I knew he had a big presence when he got hired, and it translated to two straight 10-win seasons, right? And I also will say... The Broncos makes me nervous because their ownership is now up for sale. So you have no idea if you're walking down the hall and knocking on the owner's door, who is in that office? You have no idea. Um, the GM is still kind of up in the air. Like, and there's been some issues. That franchise hasn't gotten a franchise quarterback since John Elway. Right? They have Peyton Manning, but they rented him for two years. Right? They haven't drafted a franchise guy since John Elway. So you're looking at Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, he's had a lot of success with Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl with him. Look at Mike McCarthy now. Right? So I, I, I like Nathaniel Hackett. He's pretty clever. But that, that's a beehive, right? I think he needs a really good quarterback in order to win, like most coaches do, I will say. Like most coaches. And uh, it's going to be tough for him to find one. All right, let's go with the Bears. Matt Eberflus. I hate the hire. I, I hate really the hire. don't like it. Um, I'm going to give it a D. I think we settled on D. Um, he's a defensive coach, and you... Did they, so who did they, who did they, please, please refresh my memory. Who did they draft just last year? Uh, I believe it was Justin Fields. Right, right. So a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and then he was a stud in college, could have won a Heisman, um, competed at a really high level, got to a national championship game, is an absolute stud. Right, so I totally get the connection hiring a defensive coach. What are you doing? What are you doing? You have to do everything in your power to make sure Justin Fields is an absolute stud because the talent's there, but you need to refine him. You needed to go out and get yourself a Brian Dable, right? Uh, he, I, I don't love Doug Peterson, but he would have been a better option, right? You saw what he was able to do with Carson Wentz. I mean, hell, he won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles, right? Yeah. So you had to go get Justin Fields, somebody that he can— a confidant for Justin Fields, right? Somebody to t- 
take him under the, their wing, right? Help him grow into a stud NFL quarterback because he's been able to do it at every level he's played so far, and he's got the talent to do it at this one. You just need a guy to develop it, and Matt Eberflus is not that guy. He's a defensive head coach. Mm, D, D. All right, Giants, let's go Brian Dable. I think this is my favorite hire. Let's go with an A-. minus. Um, I don't love it because he's going to have to try to make Daniel Jones work because the ownership's going to want him to make Daniel Jones work, Yeah, and that's not going to happen, right? Daniel Jones just doesn't have really what it takes. To I do. don't think, I just don't think he has what it takes. I, I, I understand Brian Dable was able to do something miraculous with Josh Allen. That's great. Josh Allen's a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, yeah, on paper, he could be also 6'4", and he could also be 2-whatever. He's not Josh Allen. I'm telling you right now, I watch the football games, and if you've watched more than three, you know that Daniel Jones and Josh Allen are two completely different players. So I, I do like Brian Dable, but I think he's going to be one of the better hires because once he's able to get a quarterback that he chooses and that he has from day one, I think he can win a lot of football games. A lot of football games. I mean, look at that offense. You were talking about uh, you know, having safety valves and everything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the way he lets Josh Allen operate, right? If it's not there, run. You know what I mean? Yeah, so A lot of RPOs, a lot of stuff where the quarterback has a lot of different decisions to make and places to go with the football. Right. So if, if a couple are taken, it, it's really easy for a young quarterback to defined reads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always talk about quarterbacks are better on play action because there's defined reads. It's play action here. You know you're drawing the linebackers up. You know you're pulling the safety this way. Yeah. That's your first read, and 90% of the time, it's going to be where you're throwing the football. It's a well-defined read. That's the same with RPOs. Yes, you have to kind of wade through you know, what you're seeing. right? You have, to, you have to process quickly, but it's all right there for you. It's either hand the ball off, run, or throw. It's it's all real quick movements that you can do right here. It's not a whole lot. And a lot of a lot of times it's based off of D tackles and D ends that you can read and things that are quick right off the snap that you can right. see, is that linebacker coming up to right. rush? Is he falling back into coverage? And where, right. where am I going with this football? Am I handing this ball off or am I making this throw? Those are a lot easier things to do. I think Brian Dayball does a great job at it. He really does. I, I completely agree. And he's had to because they don't have a good running game in Buffalo. So he's had to be uh, be able to do that. And he, he's been really good at it. Uh, Jaguars with Doug Peterson. I'm going to go B-. minus. Look, Trevor Lawrence is a big, strong, talented quarterback. They're not completely devoid of talent on the offensive side. I like their two running backs. ETN's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, that James Robinson, A, who's an undrafted guy. Uh, he's going into his third year this coming season. Um, so they have a decent backfield. If you can draft some offensive linemen, I don't mind their weapons on the outside. Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, um, LaVisca Chenault, it's good enough right now. Maybe add another piece in free agency or um, or through the draft. I mean, the draft is producing 17 really good wide receivers every single year. I mean, just go look at the first round. Traylon Burks, Drake London. Um, you got both the Ohio State guys, and that's just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have 17 more. Um, that are at least competent. So you can go get a guy in the draft and then spend some big free agency money on defense, uh, and Doug Peterson's going to be able to at least make Trevor Lawrence and that offense capable of winning a couple games. Um, I, I think he's also a grown-up in the room, and Urban Meyer lacked with some judgment things uh, in that regard. So I think it's a, good, it's a good culture shift for that locker room. Yeah, I think it's a guy that's not going to come in and draw the attention away from anybody else, like an Urban Meyer. And I also think... Like you said, he's just—he's not—he's not going to create the noise. If if you're going to create noise in that organization, that's the last thing they need. It's what they've dealt with for the past how many years, and especially last year. Um, you know, noise and media, extra media attention right. is the last thing they want or need. And I like that he's a 
not that Urban Meyer isn't respected, but at an NFL level, he was very unproven. He's mm-hmm. no different than a rookie walking in there. 100%. Yeah, so he did this in college. The, the rookie's sitting there like, yeah, dude, I was good in college too. This is a different ball game, right? So the fact that Doug Peterson's been to a Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, he's got a little bit more, more cachet, right, in the locker room. A little, a little more credibility. A little more respect, yeah. right? The guys are going to play a little bit more for him, I think. Um, okay, let's go with the Vikings. Kevin O'Connell, this is my second or third favorite hire, along with the Peterson and uh, and Dable hire. Let's go Kevin O'Connell. Let's give him a B plus. I think he's super clever. I mean, have you seen that L.A. offense? The motions. I mean, look, I like Cooper Cup more than anybody. He's shifty. He's fast. He's got good hands. He does everything really well. But if I took Cooper Cup and I said, yeah, he's going to break records this season, mm. would you believe me? I, I mean, like, he, like I said, he's a good receiver. He's probably top five. I didn't expect him to break records. He is schemed open more than any player I've ever seen, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But what Kevin O'Connell is able to do to get guys open in that offense, to be able to just plug and play Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, after like, what, three, four weeks of gelling? That's I, about it. To just plug and play Sonny Michelle, the running back, who who led the league in carries, yards, and touchdowns for a four-week stretch in like December. To be, able to, to be able to run the football as effectively as the Rams do and then be like, oh, also we have Van Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr., and Cooper Cup that I can beat you with too. I mean, the way he is able to scheme this, it it's not easy to just say, here's a bunch of all-stars, make me a really good offense. Oh, and by the and way, he's able to do it. And by the way, he took a uh, quarterback that came in in one year and taught him that entire playbook. So it's very learnable. He's a great coach. It, it does not take much time for him to, you know, get that script into everybody's head um so it it could be a quick turnaround is what i'm thinking right and i will also say he was able to make a good veteran quarterback work in in matt stafford now kirk cousins isn't matt stafford but he's not bad kirk cousins can win you games oh yeah i mean kirk cousins has beaten aaron Rodgers more than stafford has so you tell me right so you get kirk cousins you get justin jefferson who's a really good wide receiver get you get dalvin cook he's able to work with those weapons that offense is going to be scary next year i really believe it Let's go with the Raiders, Josh McDaniels. I'm going to go C+. I think it's good because he's an offensive mind, and you can. He, there's a good chance that he helped Derek Carr not take the next steps. I think Derek Carr's already a top-10 guy. But just definitely be a little more consistent and be a better quarterback overall. Yeah. And if Derek Carr's better, then your team's better. But the noise that he could bring with him. Mm. I mean, the, just, just look at the conference. He goes to Denver, and he takes Tim Tebow as the first-round quarterback. Yeah, they win a playoff game, and then it completely disintegrates takes the job in Indianapolis, and then resigns two days later. He's kind of awkward, right? He's a lot like Bill Belichick, kind of awkward and a little bit shy at the podium, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not shy is the right word, but just reserved. socially reserved, reserved at the podium. A bit of a socially, not awkward. You, I mean, awkward, yeah. It, it just, I'm not sure he feels like Vegas to me. I don't think he feels like a big personality that's going to walk in and control a locker room, right? If anything, Rich Basaccia, if I mean, look, he's a special teams guy, so I'm, he knows more football than I will ever know in my lifetime. I'm not trying to take anything away from him per se, but compared to other coaches, he's not the most clever guy. I would say his greatest strength is being a big, strong alpha male that walks into the room, that guys like him. He's a good hang in the locker room. He's a guy that you play hard for. Yeah. I think Josh McDaniels is the polar opposite. I think he's super, super clever in, when, it, when it comes to pen on paper, designing plays, getting these plays to work, right? But I worry about the leadership aspect of it, the, the, the guy in the room, right? Is he going to get along with the guys in the room? So that's why he's a C+, because I don't think he will. I think it's going to be awkward, just like it's been at every spot for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, so to review the 
the grades that we have. Um, we have Nathaniel Hackett at a B, the Bears and Matt Eberflus at a D, the Giants hiring Brian Dable as an A minus, the Jaguars with Doug Peterson as a B minus, the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell as a B plus, and the Raiders with Josh McDaniels as a C plus. And some predictions for Miami, Houston, and New Orleans. Let's go Miami. Mike McDaniel, uh, he's the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, right? They can run the football. I worry a little bit just because he hasn't really had to develop a quarterback yet. He had Jimmy G, but he was kind of already developed when he got to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worry about him with a Tua, with a if they go, you know, with a different route and try to get a younger quarterback, right? Draft another guy. I worry about if he's going to be able to help develop him. But uh, I think Mike McDaniel, I'm going to predict as the Miami head coach, Houston Brian Flores. I think. If they want any sliver of hope for Deshaun Watson to come back and play for them, if he's able to clear the legal side of things, you have to go get a splash hire for somebody that he's willing to play for. That's that's Brian Flores. And he said he wanted to go to Miami because Flores was there, and I think if Flores came there, he'd probably consider playing for Houston. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, New Orleans, I think they're just going to promote Dennis Allen. He's been the defensive coordinator there for a while. Uh, I think right now what they don't need is a whole lot of shakeup, right? Sean Payton leaving after 18 years is enough shakeup, right? This isn't the uh, you know the Browns who are getting a new coach where it's like eh, about that time of year again where we get the new guy, right? <laughs> this is the Saints who have had the same guy for what 16, 17, 18 years, something like that, almost two decades. Right. You can't shake up too much. I think it's probably wise for a year or two promote Dennis Allen, let the interim you know see what he can do because he was the interim. Let promote him, let him see if he can prove himself. Um, you know, while you kind of rebuild the roster, and if he proves to, proves to be really good, then he's coming into his prime, right? He's got two years of experience. He's coming into his prime while you got the roster yeah. on the upswing. Exactly. And if not, then you go get a guy who you think is going to be the next big name. And while your roster on the upswing, you hit it with a, a star coach, mm. and you go from there. I think right now, though, Dennis Allen is probably the right call to keep some leadership in the locker room. 100%. Well, that's about all we have for coaching. Um, so yeah, when we come back, I'm gonna rant. I'm gonna tell you exactly why. You know your guys like Jalen Hurts and and uh, Baker Mayfield and Dak Prescott are never ever ever gonna compare to Joe Burrow because he is what a franchise quarterback should look like. So come back for that. Hey guys, it's Luke here from The Issue. Doing the podcast, we want equipment that works just as hard as we do. That's why we chose Rockville Audio when we thought to build the studio. We got our microphones, boomsticks, a mixer, headphones, audio cables, everything from rockvilleaudio.com. They have way more than that. They have stuff for your car, for boats, lighting, audio, everything you could possibly need. Find it at rockville.com. They are awesome. Go check it out. That is rockville.com. Oh, what's up? We are back. Third segment on a Saturday, February 5th. Um, So far, great episode. Uh, A lot of stuff and a rant to get to you here in the third. You know, that rarely happens where we have a rant in the third segment, but this show was just so loaded that we just had to bump it to the third. When you have the number one catcher in the Big Ten going into the 2022 NCAA baseball season for a team who's up and coming and on the rise in Penn State, Yeah. They. I mean, look, Matt would be the first to tell you, I'll be the first to tell you, look, it's a statistical thing. Penn State has struggled in the last, we'll, we'll say, like five years, right? But last year, they showed a lot of potential to turn around. They started hot. If they can piece it together, which Matt thinks they will, with he he threw out a lot of good freshman names. 
couldn't i mean so many good freshman names he was talking about that are going to contribute on top of people that are coming back who have been you know contributing for them yeah veterans of the team i mean when you have a guy like that who's able to come in and, and articulate so well his goals from this offseason um the expectations going forward the pitching coach all that you have to put a brand third segment you know yeah, what i mean because it's because he's obviously going to be in the first and then we had the coaching carousel which is definitely worthy of a second segment i get bumped to the third sometimes it is what it is you know um you know but nevertheless you still got your airtime so you know yeah. you got a rant today I might uh, as well I yep. might as well get get going, right? I got my airtime. I can. I gotta make. Gotta make the most of it here. Right. Make it count. <sighs> I, I Joe Burrow. I might be the biggest Joe Burrow fan. Um, I I said when he came out of the draft, I would like Tua over him. I don't know what I was looking at because I quickly turned that around. I think after like week three, I saw him play three games. I saw you know I saw practice film with Tua, and I was like, that looks pretty different to me. Yeah. I mean, that looks very different, right? I'll show you how different it is. From him to the next tier down, right? So, some people still might be hesitant to put him with, you know, the Mahomes and the Rodgers and the Wilsons and the Josh Allens of the world, right? I think he should be smack dab in the middle of that class. I think I could argue he should be towards the top of that class. Because the next tier down, people want to say, oh, people want to tell me Dak Prescott's a top 10 quarterback. Well, if he's top 10, then where's Joe Burrow? Because if you're telling me Joe Burrow's not in the top tier, but then Dak's a, a top 10 guy. So where does Joe Burrow fall? I'll tell you, Joe Burrow falls around three or four. Look at the gap between... People even want to argue that Baker Mayfield, if you get him a running game... Or, I'm sorry, he has a running game. If you get him some more weapons, that he could be, like, really, really good, right? I'll show you I'll show you what makes or breaks your franchise quarterback. Let's look at, let's look at three different guys, right? So Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, and Joe Burrow. In crisis, right? Against against really solid, formidable teams, right? You're talking playoff caliber teams. Well, here's let's see what let's see what Baker Mayfield did in seven games. Seven games against playoff teams, 61% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, nine picks, pass rating of 83. Hmm. So he's probably you know around maybe 20th best quarterback. So so let's see what Dak is. Dak is 65% completion percentage. This is in six games, by the way. 12 touchdowns, five picks, so a little bit better on the ratio. 91.5 passer rating. Hmm. Joe Burrow, in nine games against playoff teams, this is utterly ridiculous. Are you, are you ready? 73% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, six interceptions, and 108 pass rating. That's for a guy who his big knock this season has been he turns the ball over too much. Well, it looks to me when it counts, he doesn't. Looks to me when it counts, he's got less than one pick a game. Dak has about a pick a game. Baker's got over a pick a game. Those are guys that Joe Burrow's still being classified with. I think that's that that's pretty fair that we could put that to bed now. And you're seeing the media shift a little bit now that he's led his team to the playoffs, but... You're looking at you're looking at the quarterback tiers. People are putting Dak Prescott above Joe Burrow, saying, "Oh, he's done for longer. He's a veteran. He's more proven." I'm, t- I'm looking right now. Dak's got two Pro Bowl wide receivers. You could argue a third and Michael Gallup when he's healthy. I could argue he's got two Pro Bowl caliber running backs. One exiting his prime, one entering, but nonetheless, two Pro Bowl. He's got probably two or three Pro Bowls on his offensive line. He's got the the interception leader. 
in the in the defensive secondary. He's got probably the defensive rookie of the year in Micah Parsons. He's got one of the better um, kind of combo pass rush and run stopping defensive linemen in Demarcus Lawrence. He's not top ten at either of them, but when you combine his ability to do, to do both really well, he's a really solid defensive lineman. You have two of the top five coaching head coaching candidates as your coordinators, Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, and you lost at home to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Baker Mayfield had easily the best roster in the division, um, a coach of the year, a reigning coach of the year candidate, and he didn't even make the playoffs. You lost to a 75-year-old Ben Roethlisberger twice. You got absolutely waxed by Baltimore, who Lamar Jackson's been hurt, and when he was playing this year, he wasn't all that good, and yeah, seven games right there, 61% completion percentage. You know, it was an 83 pass rating. Jeez. For everybody that's looking for, for a franchise quarterback, you might want to find out why Joe Burrow is why Joe Burrow is who he is. You might want to do a deep dive into what makes Joe Burrow good. I don't care if you have to go back and look at the combine psych evaluations. I think everybody has to take one or at least take a, uh, you know, like an IQ test or whatever. You might want to go find out exactly, you know, how Joe Burrow got to this point in his life. And then what you're going to want to do is you're going to copy that and find the next one of him. Because that, that's exactly what a franchise guy should look like. Someone who comes in and transforms the franchise. Right? Go look at Big Ben when he came into the league. Came in and won 13 straight. They went to the AFC Championship game. Second year, he won the Super Bowl. Two years later, oh yeah, he won the Super Bowl. That's what a franchise guy should look like. Justin Herbert taking an abysmal franchise for the last couple years, post Phillip Rivers, and making them a really formidable football team. How about Josh Allen taking Buffalo? I'll say it again, Buffalo. Couldn't win since Jim Kelly. They're one of the best teams in the AFC, probably in the top three to five teams in the entire league. That's what a franchise guy looks like. Dak Prescott coming in and being bounced in the first round. Well, that's exactly what Tony Romo would have done. I know a lot of quarterbacks that can get bounced in the first round. I mean, you, you, you can keep rolling with Baker. You can keep rolling with Ryan Tannehill, right? But if you, if you want to keep getting bounced in the first, if you just want to be really good for a bit, you know, you just want to be, you want to be in the top, you know, 15 teams in the league, go ahead, keep rolling with Baker Mayfield. He'll 100% keep you afloat. He'll keep you afloat. He'll win you seven games a year. You'll be drafting anywhere from, you know, 12 to 20 every season. That's absolutely respectable. But if you want to put on your big boy pants, you got to want to go win some playoff games. You got to go get yourself a Joe Burrow, because that's a difference maker. That's a franchise quarterback. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear Jalen Hurts. I don't want to hear Baker Mayfield. I don't want to hear, oh, why is why can't Dak win? Because Dak's not that guy. Is Dak a franchise guy? Probably, probably. I don't think Baker is, but Dak, Dak is probably good enough to be a franchise guy. If you want to know why he's not winning Super Bowls, I'll tell you why. Because he shrinks in big games. 91 QBR. In a league where that's average, you can't win with that. You can't win with average. You can win with 108 pass rating in, against playoff team. That, that'll do. That'll do. Going into Arrowhead and beating Patrick Mahomes, who's unbeatable. Unbeatable in January at Arrowhead. Yeah, it was nothing. It was nothing. Joe Burrow's that guy. Joe Burrow's that guy. Go, go, go ahead and look at that Instagram post when it comes out here after this episode. 
That's going to be the caption. I'll tell you right now, that's going to be the caption. Because Joe Burrow is that guy. He is going to be a top three to five quarterback for years to come. That that's a This is a Brady-esque playoff run right here. Is it not? Is it this is. not a young Brady playoff run? I mean, it is. And it's because, you know, everybody counted him out. Everybody said, oh, the, you know, the Bengals are here. You know, we play the Bengals. They're going to be the easiest matchup of the playoffs. Get them out of here nice and early around the wild card. Maybe they'll win a wild card game, you know, get to the division run. No, they're going to the Super Bowl. This team has come and, and, and on the road beat the number one seed in the AFC in the Tennessee Titans. They beat Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs twice two. this two year. Seed. Two times this year. One in the regular season, one in the playoffs. And now they're in the Super Bowl against Stafford and the Rams. An absolute insane matchup it will be. That's a perfect segue right here. Let's talk about the matchup. Exactly. So um, I'm, I'm going to give you some concerns, and I want to hear what you think of it. Obviously, the Cincinnati offensive line has been a weakness. Got sacked nine times against Tennessee. I would argue that uh, well, L.A. is just so well-rounded. Mm-hmm. But one of their strengths is their defensive line. Very Leonard Floyd, so. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller. And those are just the marquee names. They have tons of really good rotational guys that I don't, unfortunately, bother to know their name. But I know I, when I watch the games, there's guys that are aside from those three to four guys, and they're making plays. They got guys, they got about seven deep. Mm. On that defensive line, do you do you think it's an issue? I think it's an issue. It, did, it wasn't an issue against Tennessee, though. It got sacked nine times and won. Yeah, um, I think to an extent it's an issue. Um, it's never good when you have one of the worst offensive lines in the league and you're going up against arguably the best pass rush in the NFL. I would say outside Certainly of Pittsburgh. Top five. Certainly top five, bare minimum. Right. So you're seeing the best defensive line, so to speak, against the worst offensive line. It's not exactly a recipe for success, but like you said, we've seen Joe Burrow overcome these things all season long. Um, you know, he's an extremely tough quarterback. When he goes down, I don't think I've ever seen him on the ground for more than a second and a half. That dude's popped right back up and in the huddle getting the play. I mean, he doesn't limp around after he gets hit. He gets hit a lot. He knows he's going to get hit a lot. I think yeah. it kind of, you know, at this point in like his career, he's like, I still don't have an offensive line, but we're going to do what we can do. And so far, you know, Joe Burrow has been able to, with no help on the offensive line, no blocking whatsoever, get them to a Super Bowl. Um, so I think, you know, internally, it's not going to affect Joe too much. He's got a lot of swagger. He's got a lot of confidence. He knows he's going to get sacked in the Super Bowl. He right. knows it. Right. Um, so I, I think he's shown the things that he needs to, to to overcome those type of things. He's got great weapons. Uh, plays develop quickly because Jamar Chase is insanely fast. Tyler Boyd gets open. T. Higgins gets open. The, you don't really, like, yes, the Rams secondary is good, but these receivers aren't going to make you hold the ball forever. Right, right. Those receivers, somebody's going to be open. Somebody's going to be open. I understand Jalen Ramsey's good. Darius Williams is good. Those are our top two DBs. The gap, though, between a third a third defensive back and the third receiver on this team is so large, in my opinion. Yeah. Right? I think the third wide receiver you'd have to go is, is probably Tyler Boyd, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's more talented than the third defensive back for L.A. I think so, I don't so even too. know who the third defensive back is. But it, there's so many good receivers, it's so hard to stay with these guys. I do think it's going to be a problem, though. Uh, you look at last year's Super Bowl with, with Patrick Mahomes, no offensive line. They were all hurt, banged up, COVID, whatever. And Tampa Bay just, that that 
ate him alive. He was unable to get anything going. I mean, there's a picture actually at one point where he's throwing while he's parallel to the ground. Yeah. I mean, he's like getting flipped upside down. He's trying to throw the football. Um, and I, I just worry when the big lights come on, it, it, that offensive line can't give him at least a couple seconds to throw the football. I, I, I do worry. Obviously, I'm not giving my prediction now. So that, that's a point of concern when I'm going into my predictions. I haven't even thought about you know going through and who's actually going to win this game yet. We're going to dive I deep don't into know. that. I just don't know. Um, oh, another thing. How do you think Cincinnati can fare against those those wide receivers uh, for LA? I mean, I think that the Cincinnati defense is really uh, underwhelming when it comes to cover like coverage in the secondary, um, which I think is just going to be a huge issue. I mean, you have a veteran quarterback, Matt Stafford, who's waited how many years now to finally be on this stage. Um, he's going to find the guys that are open. I, I would say my biggest point of concern, not concern, but warning to to each right. of the quarterbacks don't force things to your stars just because you're in the super bowl joe burrow don't force things to jamar chase if it's not there don't take it throw it to somebody else we've seen joe burrow be extremely efficient when he distributes the ball across the field when you look at this when you see a cincinnati Bengals win and you look at this uh the stats and you look at the box score from that game there's multiple players for almost 100 yards mo- yeah most of the time it's everybody has double digit receptions there are times where he kind of pigeonholes himself into throwing only to Jamar Chase for a while. He gets uncomfortable. He wants to find Jamar Chase. I get that. It makes him comfortable. But when you're doing that, that's when we start to see him throw picks. And and same thing goes for Matt Stafford, too. Don't force the ball to Cooper Cup if he's not open. Right. Look, you still have Odell Beckham Jr. You still have Van Jefferson. You still have a really good tight end. You got two good backs out of the backfield. Yeah. I mean, you got three deep wide receivers, a good tight end, two backs, you, yeah, you're right. You don't have to force the ball. You're able to run the football. And stay, same on the flip side with Joe Burrow. I mean, you got three good um, wide receivers. I, I'm not sure C.J. Uzoma, the tight end, he got hurt in the championship game. I don't know what his status is. I, I seriously have no idea. Um, so if he's there, you have a good, reliable tight end. If he's not, well, then it's okay. You still have Joe Mixon out of the backfield who can run the ball, can catch the football out of the backfield. And Joe Mixon runs really hard, too. Runs so hard. Yeah, he, he's a really good back. Um, but, yeah, I... I do worry a little bit with Cincinnati secondary. They're they're probably going to have to play a good amount of zone because they do have two good safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell. So they're able to run. If you let them roam a little bit in some zone, um, I think you could you could probably force a pick or two out of Matt Stafford. And if you do, if you get two extra possessions, you like your chances. Um, we'll see. I don't. We're going to dig more into this next week when we do our prediction. When we give our formal scores, um, we're going to predict. Probably five things apiece. We're going to go coin toss and scores and MVPs. And that you're mic'd up get, episode will be really you good, You are going to get a – yeah, you're going to get – obviously on the thing we're going to predict a bunch of stuff, but then on the mic'd up we're going to do a bunch of prop bets and everything. So you're going to get a litany of bets and, and predictions and scores. So it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be Super Bowl week. It's going to be a fun week to, to hang out and, and you know talk about this game. It's the cash cow of the NFL. And uh, wrapping things up the entire season, we've spent covering it. Kind of a you know final hoorah, wrap things up uh, for this NFL season, guys. Thank you for sticking around. Go back, listen, uh, listen again. Go ahead, go tell your friends to listen. Matt Wood uh, was in today. Stopped by for about ten minutes, um, and that that was a great interview there. A uh, lot of football, a lot of our, our coaching carousel, grading all the coaches. So, uh, guys, thanks for coming in and listening. And that was the issue.